This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm an emergency critical care veterinary specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about a potentially deadly disease called immune-mediated hemolytic anemia. It sounds like a mouthful. We abbreviate this as IMHA, and we'll talk about this and why it's really important that you be aware of this, especially if you own a Cocker Spaniel. So we'll be right back after these messages. Listeners, I'd love to introduce you to PetPlate.com. They deliver freshly cooked human-grade dog food right to your door. I'm talking about dog food that is so high quality that even us humans could technically eat it. I've been feeding Pet Plate to my pup for the last two weeks, and it's perfect for my picky pup and perfect for me since I'm so busy. So if you want something super healthy, really tasty, and ready to serve, go to PetPlate.com forward slash spot to get 30% off your first box. Once again, that's PetPlate.com forward slash spot to get 30% off your first box. P-E-T-P-L-A-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Today, we're going to be talking about immune-mediated hemolytic anemia. This is mostly a problem that I see as a veterinary specialist in the emergency room in dogs, although I rarely can see it in cats too. Now, there are certain breeds that are more predisposed to getting this disease called IMHA. So if you own a Cocker Spaniel, a Dachshund, a Bichon Frise, a Miniature Poodle, a Springer Spaniel, or any mixed breed dog, especially if they're female, I want you to pay special attention. IMHA is basically a disease where the immune system is overstimulated. And as a result, it ends up attacking the pet's own red blood cells. When that happens, it actually destroys the red blood cells, causing a really severe anemia. Now, a normal red blood cell count in a dog, what we measure as pack cell volume or PCV, should be about 40 to 50%. I have seen some Cocker Spaniel dogs come in so severely affected by this disease that they'll come in with a red blood cell count of only 7 to 10%. And that means that they only have about a quarter of the amount of red blood cells that a normal dog should have. When we see a really severe anemia, that means there's not enough oxygen delivery to the rest of the body. And as a result, it can be life-threatening. So there's two important things that you need to know about IMHA. First of all, there's two types of IMHA called primary or secondary. Primary means that there's no known cause. In other words, we have to rule out and run a lot of tests, including blood work, x-rays, tip titers, ultrasounds, because we want to make sure it's not due to secondary IMHA. What does that mean? 
Well, unfortunately, secondary IMHA can be seen from diseases like cancer, parasitic infections in the red blood cells, certain types of tick-borne infections like Lyme disease, inherited diseases, or even certain drugs. Now, as a toxicologist, I can say the best prognosis for IMHA is if it's actually due to drugs or toxins. And this is one of the reasons why we don't feed our dogs onions, garlic, or certain chemicals because it can actually destroy the red blood cells. Even things like pennies that contain zinc. If your dog ingests a bunch of pennies or even one penny, depending on what year that penny was minted, it can contain almost 99% zinc and result in this secondary IMHA. So you always want to keep pet poisons out of reach. Now, the majority of cases of IMHA are primary. However, that means that we have to do a really extensive medical workup to rule out these secondary causes. As I mentioned before, I see IMHA in both dogs and cats, but I would say 90% of the time it's in dogs. And 90% of the time, I see it in Cocker Spaniels. It's also seen more commonly in female middle-aged dogs. And I would say that ranges from about three to eight years of age. But the classic scenario that I normally see is about a seven-year-old female spayed Cocker Spaniel. This is really important to realize because it may be inherited. And for that reason, if you've heard of a dog having this in the past, you want to make sure that they're spayed or neutered so they're not breeding and passing this on. Very rarely, when I do see IMHA in cats, it's oftentimes due to the deadly disease feline leukemia, or what we often call FELV. And it's because they have FELV in their bone marrow. So it does really require extensive testing like a bone marrow aspirate to make sure your cat doesn't have this deadly disease. Now, what are some of the signs for IMHA that you have to be aware of? What should you be looking at your dog for? Well, the biggest sign that I notice is actually when their gums look yellow or orange. So they have this abnormal color or hue to their skin, and that's what we call icterus or jaundice. When we see that icterus, it's because when red blood cells actually rupture, the red appearance or the pigment that makes red blood cells red is actually getting stuck in the mucous membranes and the gums. So when in doubt, if you ever notice that you think that your dog's eyes or gums are slightly more yellow than normal, get to a veterinarian right away. Some other signs include signs of not having enough red blood cells. So signs of acting lethargic or weak, acting tired when they go for a walk, panting constantly, or acting thirstier. These are all signs that you want to get to an emergency vet right away. Another big clue, and this is easier for me since I'm in Minnesota, is when pet owners notice that the color of the urine is abnormally orange or red. And oftentimes I'll have owners bring in their dog because they urinated in the snow and they think their dog has a urinary tract infection when in fact it's actually really, really pigmented urine from IMHA. Other clinical signs include a racing heart rate, signs of shock low blood pressure, or even vomiting. So you want to get to your veterinarian right away. In terms of some of the tests I start with, well, the first test I actually do is a physical exam. On physical exam, when I'm examining a dog or a cat with IMHA, I usually will notice again that their gums are both jaundiced and pale, that they have an elevated heart rate, that they have signs of shock with poor pulse quality, or I can't feel their femoral pulse as well. 
oftentimes are panting more because they're trying to breathe harder to get more oxygen in. They oftentimes will have an enlarged spleen or liver, and that's because their spleen is trying to produce more red blood cells. I'll also often notice a heart murmur. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that your dog or cat has heart disease. It may just sound abnormal because when I listen with my stethoscope, it sounds abnormal because there's only about a quarter of the red blood cells in the vessels or in the heart. And so I oftentimes will hear what we call a flow murmur. Now, how are we gonna diagnose IMHA? Again, it's gonna be based on physical exam findings, but the next step is doing really important blood work. Let's take a short commercial break and we'll continue right after with further diagnosis and treatment for IMHA. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. When Helen Brown ran away to New York City five years ago, she had no idea that a homeless cat with a punk rock haircut and enough catitude to light up the Empire State Building would be the one to teach her the true meaning of love and a forever home. In the tradition of her internationally best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, The Amazing Story of a Rescue Cat Who Inspired a Community, is a heartwarming true story about a woman without an anchor a homeless cat without much hope, and finding a forever home in the city that never sleeps. Modern Cat Magazine calls Bono an uplifting tale about how everyone deserves love and a second chance. Bono by Helen Brown is on sale now everywhere. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. What we've been talking about is the deadly disease IMHA, which unfortunately I see quite a bit in the animal ER. When it comes to diagnosing IMHA, the most important blood tests that we're going to do are going to look at something called the complete blood count. And this is basically looking at what's going on in your dog or cat's bone marrow. This is going to tell us what the red blood cell count is, how anemic your dog is, and it's going to look for the presence of a certain type of red blood cell called a spherocyte. Now, when we see spherocytes on a blood test, it is almost 100% of the time seen with IMHA. So it's a classic finding that we see. The next test that we're going to do is something called a slide agglutination test. This isn't a fancy test. I'm literally just dropping one drop of blood onto a slide and dropping one drop of sterile saline. And I'm looking to see how sticky the red blood cells are. Normally, red blood cells shouldn't stick to each other. And with this slide agglutination test, we will actually notice all the red blood cells clumping together, almost like clusters of grapes. And as soon as I see that, just grossly when I look at it or under a microscope, that's a classic finding and a diagnosis for IMHA. Another test we might do is something called the Coombs test. Now, this is a test that looks specifically at an inappropriate immune response. 
Unfortunately, this test needs to be sent out to a lab. So it does take several days to get back. The important thing to realize is if your pet has a positive slide agglutination test, you don't even need to do a Coombs test because you already have your answer. Your pet, unfortunately, has IMHA. We're also going to do a blood test called the biochemistry panel. And this is a test to look at the kidney function, the liver function, the electrolytes, the protein, the blood sugar. We're also going to do a urine test. And that's to evaluate if there's red blood cells in the urine. The next test I'm gonna do is an in-house test that most veterinarians carry in their clinic, and that's called a 4DX snap test. In other words, I'm gonna test to make sure that your dog does not have Lyme disease. Secretly, I'm actually hoping your dog has Lyme disease because that means that your dog has secondary IMHA, and once I treat it with the appropriate antibiotic, which is doxycycline, hopefully your dog will be able to respond to the treatment of IMHA. The next test I'm gonna do is something called a reticulocyte count. And this is especially important for cats with anemia. When we do a reticulocyte count, we're basically looking to see how well your bone marrow is able to regenerate and make more red blood cells to fight off the anemia. The next few tests that we're gonna do are a bit more expensive, but are really important. We're gonna do x-rays of both the chest and the abdomen. The main reason why I wanna do this is because I wanna make sure, first of all, that there's no cancer spread to the lungs on chest x-rays. The reason why I do abdominal x-rays is because I'm actually hoping that I see the presence of metal foreign bodies like pennies in the stomach because that's something I can treat right away. And in that scenario, we know that the IMHA is due to a poisoning from zinc and that's really easy to treat, albeit a bit expensive. The last important test I like to do is an ultrasound of the abdomen. And an ultrasound is just like if you've ever had a sonogram for pregnancy. It's not painful, but it does require that your dog or your cat's abdomen be completely shaved. It doesn't even require sedation most of the time. Most pets handle it really well. The reason why we want to do an ultrasound is while x-rays let us look at the size of the organ, they don't actually let us look at the inside of the organ. So the benefit of doing an ultrasound of the abdomen is I want to look at the architecture of the organs to make sure there's no secondary cancer. Unfortunately, I've had the rare case where I've had some seven to nine-year-old dogs that are worked up for IMHA and end up developing cancer, and we don't find that out until we do the ultrasound. So again, we wanna make sure it's not lymphoma or what we call non-Hodgkin's cancer. We've had previous episodes on the diagnosis of lymphoma in the past, so make sure to tune into that. Most importantly, how are we gonna treat IMHA? Well, there's three main treatment goals of IMHA life-saving care, such as giving a transfusion of more red blood cells, immunosuppression, and the third one is prevention of secondary complications. So let's talk about each one at a time. The first treatment, again, is life-saving care. This is gonna include things such as treating your dog or cat with intravenous fluids to help increase their blood pressure, and then actually giving blood transfusions. When we give blood transfusions, they're actually given by a donor dog or cat. And we actually have to blood type them to make sure we're giving the right type of red blood cells to your dog or cat. We've also had a previous ER vet episode on transfusions and how they can be life-saving. So make sure to check that out also. Once we've stabilized your dog or your cat, the next goal of treatment is immunosuppression. And what that means is I have to give medications to suppress the immune system from attacking their own red blood cells. 
Unfortunately, this is done with long-term drug therapy. And the two biggest drugs that we end up using are prednisone or prednisolone and also an immunosuppressive drug called cyclosporin. Now, the good thing about prednisone is that it's really inexpensive and every veterinarian carries it in their clinic. But there are a couple of important things that you need to know about prednisone. Just like humans that are chronically treated with long-term steroids, dogs and cats, when they're treated long-term, do also get secondary side effects. The side effects of prednisone can be quite initially difficult to deal with as a pet owner, but I'm gonna tell you they will get better with time. And my own personal dog had to go on high-dose prednisone for a brain tumor several years ago, and so I can empathize with some of these side effects. The biggest side effect of prednisone is excessive panting excessive thirst, having to go out to urinate more frequently. Chronically, it actually makes your dog act hungrier. And so it's really important to make sure not to feed them more. We don't want them to get overweight, but they're always gonna act hungry from the prednisone. It also makes dogs pant more and unfortunately lose some of their muscling. And I've noticed this with my own pit bull when he was losing muscling directly over his skull. And so unfortunately, sometimes they'll get a sunken appearance to their head. The other important immunosuppressive drug that we use is something called cyclosporin or atopica. Now, if you have a dog that has really severe allergies, you may actually have your dog on this drug called atopica. This is a similar drug to drugs that people go on when they're getting an organ transplant. And that's because we need to make sure that the immune system doesn't destroy that organ. In the same way, when we use cyclosporin, we're trying to suppress the bone marrow from destroying your dog or your cat's own red blood cells. The good thing is cyclosporin is pretty safe. Unfortunately, it's pretty expensive, especially if you have a really big dog. The biggest side effects are really, really rare liver issues with it. And a more common side effect, which honestly is cosmetic, is some dogs, especially boxers, in my experience, get something called gingival hyperplasia. And that's when their gums develop excessive tissue, where it almost looks like they have lumps or bumps around their gums. Unfortunately, this can long-term wise be an issue. It does go away once we take your pet off of cyclosporin, but most pets that are treated for IMHA have to be on these drugs for several months. We never wanna stop these medications suddenly, and we don't wanna wean them down too quickly, or your pet can have another relapse of IMHA. Now, the last part of treatment for IMHA is preventing secondary complications. Unfortunately, with high-dose prednisone therapy, we sometimes can see stomach ulcers because it really upsets the stomach. Ideally, we always want to give prednisone with food, but unfortunately, with really high doses, it can cause stomach ulcers. If you notice that your dog is vomiting or has black tarry stool, that's usually a sign of a stomach ulcer. And so sometimes we'll actually put dogs and cats on drugs like Pepsid or Omeprazole or even a drug to coat the ulcer called Sucrophate for several months to help prevent these complications. I want you to keep in mind that your dog and cat should never be on prednisone and non-steroidal anti-inflammatories at the same time. And it's really rare when we use the two drugs together because it can really upset the stomach. However, IMHA is one of the few diseases where we actually use these two drugs together. I'm gonna oftentimes dose 
really microscopic doses of baby aspirin in dogs or cats. And unfortunately, the reason why we do that is because we want to prevent the secondary complication of a clot. Now, if you've ever sat on an airplane for a really long time, your doctor may have told you, oh, you want to get up and walk around to prevent a deep vein thrombus. And this is exactly what we're worried about in dogs with IMHA. They are more likely to get a deep vein thrombus that breaks off and gets stuck in their lung. And that's something called a pulmonary embolism, a PE, or pulmonary thromboembolism, a PTE. One of the reasons why we use drugs like low-dose aspirin is to help prevent those clots from happening. Sometimes we'll actually use Plavix, the platelet medication used for people with heart attacks, to prevent this also. Unfortunately, the overall prognosis for IMHA can be quite poor, and there is a mortality rate reported to be approximately 40 to 58%. The one-year survival does range in veterinary medicine in the published literature between 17 to 69%. So that's one of the reasons why it's so important that you be aware of this potential disease. If you have a cocker spaniel, I don't want you to become too, too worried about it, but really important that you even have this on your radar. So if you even think that your dog or your cat's gums are jaundiced or pale, that you get to a veterinarian right away. The sooner we diagnose it, the sooner we can start treatment, including prednisone therapy, and the better the outcome. I will say, if a dog or a cat is diagnosed with IMHA at any point in their life, I try to minimize any drug exposure that they're on. And that's because we can actually see this disease in human medicine as a really, really rare side effect from antibiotic therapy or certain drugs. So if you've had a pet that's been diagnosed with IMHA in the past, make sure you talk to your veterinarian about minimizing drugs. What do I mean? We wanna minimize the use of penicillins and cephalosporins. We also wanna minimize the number of vaccines that your dog or your cat gets. Now, don't get me wrong. We still wanna make sure that your pet is protected for rabies, but if they're a seven, eight-year-old pet, They do not need their distemper or their parvovirus vaccine every single year. And especially with this disease, I want them to have an annual exam, but I only want them to get their DHPP or FVRCP vaccine ideally every three years, especially with this disease of IMHA. I don't want to stimulate their immune system more than they need to. When in doubt, fear not if your dog was diagnosed with IMHA. It's definitely treatable. Unfortunately, it can be expensive to treat. So when in doubt, get to your veterinarian, your ER vet, or your veterinary specialist right away so we can help diagnose it, so we can help save your dog or cat. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, and we like to thank Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.